I can barely get Node to work usually, so I'm just happy when I can. <laughs> I also can never get Node to work, especially on <laughs> microcontrollers. <laughs> yeah, I can't get Node to work on my MacBook Pro, much less a microcontroller. Welcome to the Laravel I.O. podcast. My name is Sean McCool. Today I'm joined with Haler Otwell, Brian Webb, and Zach Kitzmiller. Brian, you're new to the show. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Brian Webb, and I'm the CTO for Indatus. We're a cloud-based uh, communications SaaS company, and we have several web applications that we're building on top of Laravel right now. All right, very cool. And Zach, you're also new. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm a engineer at SeatGeek.com. Um, I've been writing various PHP applications for a little over 10 years now. Um, anything new or recent I've been working on in Laravel for the most part when I'm writing PHP. Great. And I met you at Laracon last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, I gave a talk on uh, backgrounding or uh, postponing work. Yeah, that was uh, that was really well-timed. I think a lot of people were starting to get into queues at about then. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, Taylor, you want to start off by telling us kind of what you've been working on or what's going on in your life? Sure. So uh, lately, of course, I work at a uh, userscape day to day. So I work on Snappy during the day. But um, in the Laravel world, uh, I've been making a lot of incremental things onto the 4.1 branch. It's almost like Laravel has become a little bit of a rolling release in that sense that uh, we add a lot of non-breaking features and, uh, of course, bug fixes right onto the 4.1 branch so that people can have them immediately. And uh, for 4.2, we have a few bigger things like um, – we recently added Mandrill and uh, Mailgun API mail drivers, which is kind of nice because SMTP um, can tend to time out for some people on their ISP or on their uh, on their host, or it can be slower sometimes. So uh, that's kind of a nice win, and uh, you still can use it with the typical uh, mail send and mail queue syntax and all that. Uh, other stuff I've been working on something that I'm going to reveal at Laracon, which I mentioned before. <clears throat> which is kind of a big project that I've been working on for a while. And uh, I think I'll debut it at Laracon and it will probably be released to everyone like the Monday following. Uh, so I have time to kind of get back uh, in the office and stuff and be ready for it. Um, so yeah, that's about the gist of it. Just lots of improvements to Laravel and uh, cool Laracon stuff. So uh, Laracon in New York is sold out. Yes, it is sold out and the waiting list already has about 35 people on it. So um, there's been quite a bit of interest in it, especially since last impressive. year. For, yeah, for comparison, the conference in D.C. that you uh, you mentioned earlier, we only sold 90 tickets. And um, so, yeah, so it's a significant increase from the first year, which I think it's going to be cool. It's a nice venue. Um, the theater is nice. We're going to have nice video recording. Um, we're planning really cool after-party stuff. And I think it's going to be a cool time. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so if uh, if you didn't get your ticket, then you waited too long. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely uh, – I didn't expect it to sell out, actually. I, I Ian was giving me a hard time because this whole time I'd be like, I'll be happy if we sell 200, you know, and because uh, our limit was 240. And he was like, we're definitely going to sell out. Like, I, I promise you we'll sell out. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Even like a few weeks ago, I didn't think it would happen. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really um, – I guess kind of honored that it did sell out. So there's so much interest because it is kind of an expensive trip to come to New York City. So two months in advance, nonetheless. Yeah, it's crazy. So I guess next time you'll get a bigger venue. Yeah, we'll see. More people is just like more complexity and stuff. So I don't oh, know. True, we'll probably have to we'll probably have to draw a line somewhere. You're gonna have to start serving up multiple tracks. Yeah, or maybe multiple cities a year. I don't know. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, Brian, you want to tell us what you've been up to? Yeah, so um, architecture stuff recently. We're uh, kind of working on some new projects and kind of trying to figure out uh, methods for architecture development to kind of stuff that you do sometimes, but to kind of spell it out to figure out uh, maybe a little bit of a process for how you take a user story and then actually figure out, you know, like, your development plan, diagrams, design patterns, and stuff like that. Um, and we've been doing a lot of work on our open source packages and stuff, too. Uh, we try and really push to any 
any package that we kind of derive from our applications that we could release open source, we try and wrap those up and say, you know, let's really get behind it. And so we've had a couple of them that we've released recently, and uh, one of them we just kind of recently got a lot of traction on. Uh, it's the cron scheduling package called Dispatcher. It's a guy, one of our engineers being cool. He's a primary engineer behind that. that. And so uh, it's really cool as far as uh, schedule cron jobs and stuff with kind of a clean, easy syntax in your PHP. That kind of came out from uh, one of our pain points in a lot of the applications that we write was, you know, running artisan tasks as a particular user on a server, and then how do you update the, you know, running of that task? So this kind of allows you to have the task itself and the schedule in the code. So, you know, makes it a lot easier to deploy all that stuff and manage those tasks. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know exactly how that does that? Uh, so you have like um, one cron job that you install on your server that basically runs every minute and it oh, calls sure. in and checks the checks the dispatcher to say is there anything for me to do and you know, maybe there is maybe there isn't and if so then it kind of spins that up to uh, actually execute that work. Um, so th- what's that package called? Dispatcher. Dispatcher. That's right. I've seen I've seen that a lot lately, but I haven't had a chance to look into it. Yeah. So it's GitHub.com/slash/indata/slash/dispatcher. Zach, uh, you want to tell us what you've been working on? Yeah, so as far as like at SeedGeek, we've been really pushing towards modernizing the PHP layer of our application, which is going pretty well. We've, you know, are not using Laravel just because a port to a different PHP framework at this point would be a task that we're not willing to take on. But we are modernizing a lot with uh, tests and, and, you know, getting towards Composer and things of that nature. Uh, I have a couple of of things outside of SeatGeek that I'm working on that I'm porting from other uh, frameworks into Laravel, which has been going quite well, and it's been a lot of fun lately. We're also trying to open source things at SeatGeek and get more of a culture where we abstract out everything that we can and release it as packages. Cool. Um, so you're still working at SeatGeek. I, I was under the impression that you had moved to another uh, challenge, I guess? No, I'm still at SeatGeek. I will be at SeatGeek for the foreseeable future and continue to take on interesting things on the side as I, as I go, but, uh, I will definitely, you know, continue on with the tickets. Cool. Um, well, Zach, have you been working on like anything specific engineering wise, uh, personally, something that you have wanted to uh, improve in yourself and have you been you know, pursuing anything, reading any books or anything like that? I'm constantly reading books and watching videos. Um, I've been spending a lot, lot of time recently with, um, picking up a language that I'm unfamiliar with, uh, porting some small package to it or, you know, writing some new little package in it to see if, you know, how I feel about different languages and tools. I've been playing with Go a lot. Um, I found it to be quite fun language. Um, I spent a lot of this weekend previous playing with Hack as well, which seems to be very nice. I'm constantly trying to, you know, learn and, and keep on the, on the edge of stuff. What do you guys think about Hack? I think it's pretty cool from just a, just a pure, uh, I don't know, uh, just kind of geeked out perspective. It's kind of cool. Like the Lambda syntax is cool. And uh, I guess it kind of remains to be seen how much traction it will gain, like in the wider community. But I think as a concept, it's kind of fun to play with. For any listener who's not uh, familiar, uh, Facebook released their language hack, which is based on PHP, but it runs on HipHop VM. And it's, it's like a progressively statically typed language, which means you can use most PHP with hack and then as you migrate your code to to be more of like a hack code base uh you can kind of set it to strict and so that the old php stuff won't work and it's just statically typed everywhere so your methods can have uh return types and everything hinted um i would i would like to get some feedback on this from you guys as well like sometimes i can't decide how i feel about php becoming more strongly typed in the sense that, like, I would almost prefer more dynamic stuff as opposed to more strongly typed stuff. Maybe that's just because, like, I came from strongly typed, so, like, the dynamic stuff was appealing at the time. And to, like, it almost feels like it's going more and more back to, um, like, something like Java or C Sharp and the things it's trying to emulate, basically. I don't know. I, I Like, I would prefer, like, more, even more magic stuff, like being able to, like, 
mix in a trait like at runtime and do other crazy stuff like that rather than more uh, strongly typed features. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I'm a I'm very much a fan of of statically typed language and, and things with more rigid structure than PHP. That sort of forces yeah. you to make things ahead of time and really like plan out the design of your application instead of just uh, let's return an int from this method once in a while and assume everything yeah. goes to plan. And see, in Facebook's case, like I think hack makes total sense for them because like in a and when you're an organization that large with that many developers, like that's where static typing like really shines. You know what I mean? Like that's where you reap all the benefits of the safety. I don't know. So I, t- I totally can see it from that perspective too. Like it's hard for me to decide like what I think, but I don't know. I'm still kind of up in the air on it in my own feelings. Yeah. So I was actually a Ruby developer for probably the past five years before really kind of diving hardcore into PHP and Laravel doing PHP before that too. But you know, cause it's kind of some of the stuff that you mentioned about like, runtime mix-ins, redefining classes and stuff like that. And so now at Indatus, we're doing a lot of stuff where we're kind of, you know, implementing solid principles, trying to, you know, build parts of the application that might live on for like five years or something like that. And so we're really, really excited about Hack. And uh, actually, we've already got it on our schedule to try and retool a lot of our applications this summer so that we can have kind of our uh, domain lang- domain language or domain objects on hack and then Laravel running on HHVM behind that so that uh, we can kind of maintain some of those uh, kind of static interfaces and strongly typed things so that you can make sure that you're returning the right thing or the right interface and make sure that everything is going to work the way that you want, kind of like Zach was saying. So what is your impression, Zach? It's a lot of fun. It's it's a it's a cool tool. It's a cool uh you, you know language for taking existing PHP code and adding some you know really nice static typing. You know the async stuff looks and works pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's pretty sick. It's well, I guess my issue with like I'm not going to start a new project that needs static typing and go for a tool that's built on PHP. I'm going to use a statically typed language that's been established for some time. So. I can see like porting an existing code base into hack, but I can't see ever starting something from scratch with it. I would just use go or something. Now, what about kind of the, the ramifications of using something that Facebook owns versus something that's come out of, uh, you know, Zen and the PHP internals team. Do you guys have any opinions on that Taylor? Gosh, I don't really, um, you know, I can see people's concern, you know, if you're kind of like betting the betting the farm on, a hack and then facebook i don't know it's and then facebook does something with it that you don't like i don't know it's hard for me to kind of foresee that but i can i don't know you know it's your livelihood and i can understand the concern there i don't think it's like totally irrational to think something like that especially when it's you know your money on the line yeah um you mentioned that you're looking to move some of your code over this summer are you concerned about those possible ramifications of, of hack changing dramatically out of nowhere or the support not being available or anything like that well, I guess one of the appealing things for us about Hack was that it's mostly PHP with kind of layers on top of it. So the flexibility that you can get of using the dynamic typing of PHP when you want the flexibility, um, but you can also make certain files and certain functions more strict to say this has to work this way. I, I would imagine that we would probably lean more on the strict side, but it's nice to be able to have the flexibility if you wanted to. Um, as far as support and stuff like that, um, there's a lot of things out there that are open source that I might be interested in taking on, but they don't have the backing of somebody who's kind of a big player to kind of drive it forward. So, um, it was kind of interesting around, you know, our group of developers when everybody saw hack and started really looking into it, uh, we kind of circulated the email around that was like, if this doesn't get your heart racing as a developer, something's wrong. Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. And, um, guys, I mean, it has some stuff that I, I wish would be baked into the core too. Like the, the Lambda syntax is like so much nicer. Like that's, that long form that's in the current PHP core is always like bug the crap out of me. So having a shorter syntax is really nice. I feel like I need to allow other people to play that game for a while and stay back until hacks kind of like not cool anymore before I can really mess with it. <laughs> Why is that? Well, 
I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, here I have all these, these properties that need to be managed long term. And I don't want to, uh, invest myself or my clients more, more specifically into something that I'm just too ignorant about. And I, I kind of make up for my own ignorance by allowing other people, um, you know, smarter people to figure out, you know, all this stuff. So, uh, it's too, it's too soon for me and it probably will be for quite some time. Like if it's a personal project or something fun like that, I can see going for it. But I'm I'm a little nervous to put money into it. Yeah. Do you think it was like intentional PHP drama to name it hack? I hope so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was I mean, kind of like a sitting was. duck, you know. I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's funny. Yeah. I think um, yeah. I think PHP gets a lot of um, slack, and I think it like deserves a lot of it. But um, the business value of PHP is undeniable. It's there's a reason oh, that people yeah. are walking around complaining about PHP, but then coding in it every day, year after year. There's a reason for that. I still think it's getting a lot better recently. Like, the new tools are so exciting. Um, of course, stuff that's been out for a while, you know, like we've said time and time again, just like the amount of packages growing on Composer and quality packages are like, <clears throat> we're starting to see more of those being written, you know, and really robust tools. And, and then with HHVM and Hack, I don't know. It's just kind of, I'm excited for PHP, really. Like, even even if hack doesn't gain traction, just the fact that people are like messing with PHP in this way, I think is is pretty cool. And it also might wake up um, the, the the internal team and, and Zen and everything to, yeah, you know, say hey, you know, there are people want things like you know, give us a spec, give us a chance for different virtual machines, uh, allow this ecosystem to thrive a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like they kind of. You know, it's the first kind of thing that's kind of shaking that monopoly in a way with this HHVM thing. I think it's kind of like a transfer of power almost because there's so many things that you see that come across that are like RFCs for PHP that you see and something that looks really interesting that you can kind of get excited about but pretty much forget ever actually seeing it happen. And so now it's kind of like there's another driving force that's kind of taking over to say, you know, you can push this forward in different ways. Yeah, and I understand, like, the PHP internal team, I somewhat understand, like, the dilemma because we see this a lot with Laravel, right, where, like, someone suggests a feature that, like, a lot of people are like, why not? And it's like, uh, sometimes it's hard to see it from the inside, too, so sometimes I try to be sympathetic to PHP internals because it's hard to know exactly what kind of overhead they're taking on. It's hard to know, like, the quality of the patch someone's written for a certain feature that looks really cool from the outside. So I don't know, but yeah, I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about hip hop because it does it does give a cool alternative that runs Laravel really well actually, and uh, you know all our tests pass on it, and it's actually a viable option for launching a site on. Yeah, with any software project, there has to be leadership, and decisions have to be made about you know what can we reasonably get done, and where does this product need to end up, and and most of us you know aren't really digging through and keeping up with all of the communication that's involved there. And so, yeah, uh, I think the the internals team can get a lot of uh, flack, but at the same time, you know, nobody can deny that PHP is improving significantly. So good job, team. <laughs> Agree. Thumbs up. So what about you, Taylor? Are you focusing on any engineering skills? Actually, yes. Um, this has been a, a really, I don't know, this has been a really fruitful past few months, I guess you could say for me, because um, I felt like I was very one sided in a way of just like doing back end server stuff and kind of the control like controller on back, like it barely even touching the Laravel controllers in a way, because Eric Barnes, who I work with at Userscape, he kind of handles like controllers including the front end. So he handles um, like all our backbone JS all the way up to and including the Laravel controllers. And I handle like all the kind of domain behind that. And so I was becoming very like one-sided in a way where like all I was doing was back in PHP stuff. And all I had done before that was back in uh, C sharp and VB.net stuff. And so for the past few months I've been building a lot of stuff with a uh, more angular JS for uh, a Laravel project I'm working on and also our uh, mobile stuff at, uh, at snappy uses angular JS. And so that's been really awesome for me to actually learn like a front end JavaScript framework because I don't know, man, like I was way ancient in that area, like just knew like some basic jQuery and 
that's it. So it's been totally awesome, and I'm pretty excited because it, it's just I feel like it's made me a little bit more well-rounded in the sense that I could actually take an idea and prototype it totally out myself without having to beg anyone for, like, CSS and JavaScript time. So I'm excited about that. But also another goal for this year, I think, <clears throat> is to try to learn uh, another um, kind of general purpose language like uh, Python or Go or something uh, just to kind of just kind of broaden my mind and kind of, like, open up to new ideas. And that always tends to benefit, like, Laravel as well because I see things and I get ideas from other environments and I kind of – morph uh, the best of it into Laravel when I can. So those are some of my uh, goals, I guess, for the future. Yeah, I can really understand that because uh, I started doing some more game development lately, which I have always done since I was like 10 years old as my driving passion. Uh, and I started realizing that I'm modeling my game's domain in, in very similar way to the way I'm modeling my apps. And um, I'm, you know, adapting the ddd stuff that i've been working on and my the whole project is so much better than anything i've done before and then it gets me thinking differently about how to build my uh, web apps as well and uh, how to clearly separate these layers and what these different layers really mean Uh, the one thing i found interesting about when i was doing angular is when i was doing web forms and net or not web forms wind forms and net like desktop clients like we we had set up kind of an MVVM architecture with like uh, models, views, and view models, and we had present we called them presenters and stuff. But um, when I was doing Angular JS, I was surprised like how much it felt like building a WinForms app with like the view models and stuff, the way the binding works and all that. And it's just crazy how like totally different areas, like you said, like gaming and Laravel web development. It's crazy how much intersection there can really be. Like I was surprised how much how much similarity I was seeing between Angular JS and WinForms, which is like really an outdated Windows thing now. Uh, it was just crazy for me. So um, I've been reading like a crazy amount lately. I work with uh, these developers here in the Netherlands, uh, Nick and, and Mitchell, and uh, we've just been kind of diving into all these books and, and focusing on DDD. And uh, I've been reading pa- Patterns of Enterprise Application Architecture, which uh, per, uh, presumably everyone else has already read. Um, but, you know... Several times. Yeah. So I, I'm, I've been reading it, and, and I, I never really realized that Fowler's definition of enterprise application was the same stuff that we do every day, like Snappy and... And uh, my client things. I was. I always kind of thought of enterprise as something a little different. With DDD, uh, are, you, are you trying to practice that quite a bit lately in your development? Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want to see from like DDD advocates. I guess you could say, like, a lot of times when building a web application, I guess you could say, um, Snappy somewhat tries to follow DDD in a way. I wouldn't say we're super strict about it, but we do kind of have this whole domain layer that's very. Uh, uh, kind of matches the real world, so to speak, a lot like domain-driven design would. And one thing that's always tough for me is, like, I see these DDD articles, and they're, like, they're real expressive, right? Like, customer calls the order. You call the order method on the customer, like, place order or something like that, or order place. Yeah. You know, and, and it's all, like, really magical like that. But, like, I found a lot of times when I'm programming, like, not only do I need to place an order, I need to place the order uh, send a notification to HipChat, do some kind of funky email stuff after they place the order with like a, a confirmation. Um, I maybe need to like queue that and, and do all this crazy stuff that is a lot more complex than just calling the order method on the customer. And like, I'm still somewhat at a loss of like, I don't, I would like to see more like fleshed out syntax. I think that looks great if you're just like placing a record in a database and that's all you're doing. But like, have you found anything that kind of fleshes out more of like concerns? Like, are you, would you raise like an event that uh, that stuff listens to to do to, to do all that other stuff? Or have you seen anything on that besides just like really basic examples? Yeah. Uh, so a few things. Th- what you're talking about is exactly like a, a major focus that I've had in the past couple months. Uh, and this is how we're writing Laravel IO. So the next version, and you can actually kind of go into the next version branch and look at the forum and see kind of this kind of stuff in action. It's going to become more advanced, obviously, in the next, in the next however long it takes me to finish that thing. But it's a beast and I'm trying to do it real well. And I have some, a couple people working with me and we're, we're trying to do a real good job. So it, it takes the time it takes, but, uh, 
you know, we're making very consistent progress on it and we're very proud of what we've done. But um, to kind of get back to your point, um, so you, you often have this concept of like an aggregate route. So in in Laravel IO, we have a forum and there's a couple basic data types, like a forum thread and a forum reply. Um, and when you go to add one of those, so what happens is the controller method uh, for the forum uh, the forum thread controller, for example, uh, it, it might say new create thread command. And as constructor arguments pass, the user who is the author, so an actual user object, uh, the subject line, the post line, any tags um, that a person might have added as tag objects. Um, so it might be a collection of tag objects or just, you know, an array or whatever. And then that gets sent into the command bus, which then couples the command to a handler and passes the command into the handler. So what actually happens to the handler is you have this aggregate root. And all it really means is whenever you have a type of something like a thread that needs to be stored into something, it needs to be, you need to have like the model of that something. So in this context, the aggregate root is the forum class. Now, the forum right. class is not an uh, active record model. It's just a class that models the concept of forum. So in this case, we say forum, add thread, and then pass in one by one the arguments, uh, subject, author as the, as the user object, uh, body, tags, whatever is relevant. And that forum uh, aggregate root, it raises a new event called thread a uh, forum thread created, for example. And then you can take that event and write listeners. Uh, so, for example, an example of a listener might be uh, create notifications for all users who have subscribed to this thread. That's a bad example because it's a thread. Uh, but if it's a reply, you could create uh, notifications for all users subscribed to that. You could do any number of things in those listeners. Um, and, and so those are called domain events. Yeah. And so um, you have some kind of uh, aggregate root and you or just whatever the next level up in the hierarchy is. And that's what's throwing those events. And then you just have listeners that you can lazy load uh, from the container or whatever. Uh, and that's how we're doing basically everything. And since I started doing this, it's just the amount of cognitive overhead that I've been dealing with has just dropped. I can do complicated things. I can track what's happening really easily. I can, um, you know, add new behavior in uh, w without trouble. So these long chains of events are are actually much simpler. There were a there was a time when I would, for example, uh, have an object called user observer, and the user observer was just a Laravel eloquent observer. And when a new user was created, it would send out an email. It would queue up an email send to that new user. And of course, you have to do some janky stuff to make your user seeds and stuff not send out a bunch of emails um, and so what I tried to do is avoid using state check logic so instead of saying if the, the user's new and the application environment's this and um, blah 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 then send the email you know uh, instead of doing stuff like that where we're trying to check the state of the object instead I have uh, classes that actually define what the correct behavior is and so for a for creating a user and sending out the new user email and queuing up a new email being sent to them one week later, you know, to follow mm -hmm. up on whatever or whatever you need to do, um, we just do a create user command, put in the relevant user information and fire that into the command bus. Then events are fired off and that's where all of those behaviors are done. So I can create yeah. a new user anywhere in the application and not fire off any of that stuff because it's decoupled from, from the uh, creation of that object type. Right. Yeah. We have, we actually have a strikingly similar setup on snappy where we have like message created, message updated, all kinds of different events. And we do a bunch of stuff in those events, like update audit trails and stuff. That's interesting. I mean, events, I found to be really helpful in that scenario. Like I find myself using those quite a bit in that particular context. So I'm glad I'm not the only one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, similar to us as well, except for rather than, you know, emitting an event, we just write to, you know, rabbit MQ exchange. 
And then yeah. whatever worker would pick up whatever is necessary later and written in whatever language that best fits the need for the task. But it's, you know, very similar. Speaking of RabbitMQ, we actually just got a pull request, uh, Zach, for a RabbitMQ driver in uh, in Laravel just in the past few days. I haven't really – I haven't had a chance to, like, review it or anything, but I saw it come onto the stack. Seems good. So I'd definitely <laughs> take a look at it. <laughs> Currently, I've been yeah, using... Yeah, that'd be good, actually. Yeah, we, we need someone with, like, experience in RabbitMQ to look at it because even if I do look at it, like, I have no way to know if it, if it's correct, you know? So, yeah, if you do get a chance to look at it, definitely check it out. Yeah, I, I definitely can do that. <laughs> I've been using uh, Iron, and it's it's we're, we've outgrown it, basically, and I'm, so about, I'm about to start using Beanstalk and run my own instances. Uh, would you recommend anything other than Beanstalk? Not necessarily. I really like Beanstalk. Um, yeah. I, I had always been like a opponent of RabbitMQ because of its complexity, but as a system grows, it really has some stuff that's actually ends up making sense as much as I don't like to say it. Um, <laughs> but you know, for 90% of the time, you know, Beanstalk suited my needs for everything that I'd ever done. Yeah, I like Beanstalk too. Unless you have that pretty nice uh, web console for it as well. How did you outgrow iron? Like, I'm curious about that now. Okay, so there's a couple things. Uh, one, I don't, like, okay, so I have a really easy to use VM setup and everything for my hosting, so I, to run up, uh, some Beanstalk instances is really not a problem. Uh, but we kind of ha- got started beating out their, their, their tiers to where we have to start paying for a bunch of higher tiers, right? And we're really trying to keep the costs of the, of the system low because we're doing an insane amount of stuff behind the scenes. Uh, we're doing, uh, yeah. you know, statistical model matching, all this crap behind the scenes. And it's, it's a, it's great and it's working really well. But I, I noticed that sometimes when you go to create that, you know, you go out to the iron API, if there's something weird about the route between you and them, it can really kind of delay the user from progressing through the rest of the request. And yeah. that actually kind of came up. And so combined with the fact that we keep, you know, we're, we're up like, I don't know, 16 million API calls or something like that mm-hmm. a, a month, which, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that much. But combined with that and the fact that we've kind of had serious sites, sites slow down whenever people edit their profiles and stuff like that, we're, we're just throwing stuff into the queue like, like crazy. That, you know, I just I don't want to deal with it anymore. I, I'd rather deal with the the local Beanstalk instance, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty nice. We also have the Redis queue driver, which is local. Just another option to look at, I guess. That's that's a, that's all, I think that side project is so awesome. I think that mom ain't mom. This is a cool idea. Another side project I really uh, have always liked is Zach's uh, Venue Instagram. Have you seen that? Huh. What is that? That sounds the name sounds amazing. Um, Venue Instagram basically is just a uh, an Instagram Seat Geek mashup where I took one day I just basically built a site that queries the Seat Geek venue API and gets all the venues and then takes the exact geolocation coordinates and sends them off to Instagram and gets all the pictures taken at venues. Oh my gosh, that's cool. Can't you sell that to Seat Geek for like a million or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need I think to tell I made them, it on uh, company time. Write you a big check. <laughs> oh man, bummer. <laughs> but yeah, if if yeah, any listener a... out there doesn't really know about DDD, I, I highly recommend they check it out. Uh, it gives you a way to think more, think more about your domain, which has always been something that I needed to grow personally with, and uh, I feel like I've made a lot of progress as an engineer because of the pursuit. So, um, Brian, what kind of stuff does your company do? So we, I guess you could say the quickest, easiest way to talk about it is we're a SaaS company. Uh, we have three different core products. Uh, they're all kind of surrounding telecom communications. So they're web applications with mobile components, uh, but they all kind of typically do something associated with tracking phone calls or reporting data about phone calls, delivering messages, stuff like that. Okay, so... Uh you guys are mostly using PHP, or is there kind of a, a mix of multiple technology stacks? As far as web applications go, we're all in on PHP. Um, we have some legacy stuff that is C-sharp that we're just kind of like service-based, just kind of components that did background tasks and stuff like that. 
So we're retooling a lot of that to run on top of Laravel. So the end result will be pretty much all three applications will be 100% written in Laravel. Sometimes when I'm working on game stuff, I find myself just wishing that I had C Sharp in Linux so I could make web apps in that and not have to use the Microsoft stack. I said, why would you use anything besides Laravel? Oh, I, I would use Laravel. I would... Uh, I would rewrite in C sharp. <laughs> no, that's, that's crazy. No, I just is... <laughs> there's just something about all of that, like you know, having auto properties and, and static typing everywhere. There's you you have to write fewer unit tests, and you get to use stuff like Visual Studio, which again, Windows specific. Um, I'm really happy with PHP Storm though. I, I'm 100% made the switch from Sublime, and I just I don't even want to think about using Sublime for my primary. PHP coding anymore. Well, I feel like I'm really missing the boat on this. I feel like like all everyone I know is switching to PHP Storm, and I'm still like die hard. Like if Sublime didn't exist, like I would quit programming tomorrow. Like <laughs> I don't have done. I'm in that same boat. Every time that I try and get onto to PHP Storm, I'm just kind of like overwhelmed. Eric Barnes wrote a really good post about like how to get involved with PHP Storm, just kind of you know baby steps, turn off all the different panels and stuff like that. But I'm still, it's kind of like, man, I got to get stuff done. Let me get back in Sublime. Yeah, I uh, I made a PHP Storm configuration. Uh, It's called PHP Storm Space Peacock because it's based on. It was originally the color scheme Peacocks in Space by Dale Reese with theming of Space gray. These are based on what I liked in Sublime Text. And before you, before I knew it, I was making a total conversion for PHP Storm that was as close to Sublime Text as I could possibly do. And I spent like three weeks on this thing. So just you might want to just check it out because it makes it look a lot better. Uh, you can see a screenshot on the the GitHub repository. Um, all the key bindings are the same as. Sublime text, so control P, control shift P, control D, you know, control alt P, all the stuff that you're used to using all the time with Sublime text just work and it works the same way. The PHP Storm 8 early access release is solid, stable, uh, and it has the multiple cursor support, um, that makes, uh, honestly, Sublime almost to me, completely irrelevant for doing my, my regular work because when you can do stuff like type um, a bunch of constructor injection stuff and then hit like Alt-Enter and tell it to initialize all the fields for you and it assigns everything for you, when you can move classes easily from one namespace to another and it updates the namespace declarations and uh, to relative to all the imports and it goes through your code base and renames that reference to to everything, I mean... I just I I'm in love with it honestly, and plus JetBrains so what, is you're, crazy. You're saying cool. you're saying that right now you can move a class to another namespace and it will update all references, including yes, the imports. Yes, sir. That works. That Thanks. works. That's crazy. I yeah. didn't, I didn't know you could do that. It's it's um they're 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 catching they're catching up to ReSharper in a, in a way, man. And yeah, that's like some serious ReSharper stuff. Yeah, it's it's. It, it's never going to be as good because of the nature of PHP. Like with Hack, right, they could make right. it really, really solid. But with PHP, there's so much yeah. string stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, I never thought about Hack in that context. It really does give them a lot more to work with in terms of what they can know about stuff, you know? Yeah, to, the tooling can be a lot better when things aren't so crazy dynamic. Sean, you were talking about C Sharp and uh, kind of the pieces that you like about that wonder if hack and php storm is the future for open source in that world yeah it, for me uh, i'm i'm beyond hesitant about hack i think it's cute i think it's attractive i think it represents something that calls to people like me you know it's like we we think this is nice and we we'd like to whatever but i end up uh, thinking that just regular PHP is probably going to be the, the the place that I stay in a specific context. I really hope that the ecosystem around Hack can make it a long-term viable solution. I just don't know. I, I want to build programs that are going to last for seven years. I, I want to target seven years for a life cycle, uh, you know, a span of of an app. Uh, and I just don't. Know, I don't see the future with Hack right now. I, I agree. I don't. I don't see the. I don't see the future with Hack. I, it doesn't have. PHP's number one feature, which is portability. 
you can't go backwards once you go to hack. It's not available on every server on the internet, which is PHP's strongest feature. I just don't, I just don't see it. So, some, some things about PHP that make it work. To get a highly skilled object oriented developer with PHP costs less than a highly skilled C sharp developer. There's more PHP developers available to be hired, and in the software engineering industry, there are more jobs than there are developers. It's the hosting options are far wider. You can get many different types of hosting compared to any other stack that's out there. These are things that I think are, are particularly compelling. The deployment process is simple and um, as simple as moving files around. Uh, running the application is no more difficult than, you know, having a proxy set up in front of PHP FBM or whatever. I just I don't know how how anybody can compete with that at this point, and it's install based now. Of course, PHP has its issues, but I think its issues are not incredibly relevant depending on your team. So if your team is able to engineer really well designed apps, and you know you're you're coding for the web, then I, I think PHP is about as good a tool as any. I think that it is easier to write tests for something like C-sharp in a lot of ways because there's fewer things you have to test. Um, whereas for something like Ruby, there are absolutely more things that you have to test. So so right. it becomes, you know, kind of something... Like, I think Ruby is wonderful. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that the nature of the languages really changes a lot. And uh, I think that PHP is in a pretty unique situation in the industry right now. And the the power that it affords is... Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be probably pretty tough for somebody to topple that. Are there other like uh, just I did that that comment that PHP is in a unique situation? Are there other languages that are web specific like PHP? I guess there have been in the past, I guess, but I'm thinking now like anything popular. I guess Node would be like closest maybe. I, I wouldn't even know if that's really web specific though. I w- I wouldn't call it that. Yeah, I would say Node is not web specific. I would say Node is yeah. I'm 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 so frustrated with Node because it's so amazing and I so don't like JavaScript. Yeah. But you have microcontrollers that are running JavaScript now. You know. Yeah. I mean, I guess JavaScript wins. For yeah, now. That's a cool. It's a cool. It's a cool thing. I can barely get Node to work usually, so I'm just happy when I can. <laughs> I also can never get Node to work, especially on <laughs> microcontrollers. <laughs> yeah, I can't get Node to work on my MacBook Pro, much less a microcontroller. And I spent all of the last two weeks playing with connecting a 1988 soda machine to the internet, and I couldn't get the Node. <laughs> that that was easier than <laughs> the Node running. So now that New York is uh, sold out, you have very little option to uh, go to a Laravel uh, conference this year <laughs> without going to Amsterdam. Um, but we are launching a an update to the site in the next few days, so probably it might even be up when this podcast becomes live. Um, and we're going to be looking for speakers and sponsors and, in general, just ideas. Um, so everyone who is potentially interested uh, should definitely submit to, you know, potentially be a speaker. Uh, that can really give us a lot of insight as to, you know, what people have to offer and and what the landscape of the conference can kind of be like. Uh, We already have been talking to a a number of people about uh, talking at the conference this year, and we're really excited with, with the, the way that the conference is developing, but we're doing this kind of new thing, which is we're, we're doing a three day event this time where the the last two days are full day events uh, that are basically what you would expect based on Laracon EU last year. And Laracon in the United States both years. Uh, but the first day is a little bit different. We're calling it Community Day, and the the ultimate idea is that people can get in more uh, affordably. Um, we're kind of trying to get students and other people in uh, who couldn't necessarily afford the, the full ticket, and we're giving people a chance to do lightning talks, um, you know, just sign up, and, you know, there's a good chance that you can get up on stage and talk to a bunch of people, uh, which is really cool. So um, we're also asking for any ideas that people might have about, you know, what we can do on community day to really make that a value. So we have a number of ideas, but when the site goes up, there's going to be some nice uh, 
nice forms and, and ways that you can submit ideas. So, so please follow up with that. Um, I think the, the conference is kind of becoming something a little different than what we originally thought, but you know, we're all super excited about what it is and it's, uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. I really enjoyed the first, uh, cool. the first Laracon EU. That was really awesome. It was a cool venue and, uh, it was fun to meet everyone that I just talked to on IRC. Yeah, so between the American conference and the European conference, you get to meet like a massive amount of the IRC population. Yeah, you really do. So I'm really excited Crazy. to go back to New York. To go to, I've never been to New York City before, so. One thing we did uh, this year for New York is we asked for everyone's nickname or their IRC name or their Twitter name or something like that because a lot of times that's really the only way you recognize anyone is based on their IRC or Twitter handle. Yeah, and then if you ask somebody what their handle is or whatever, and it's something that you pronounce completely different than what you would have ever expected anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's always so weird. I have a little something to talk about, I guess. Um, so Indatus is hiring for software engineers, specifically Laravel developers. So we're looking for senior people who can kind of come and be a part of rebuilding a lot of our products and kind of driving our technology stack and stuff forward. So... Right now, we're looking for people who would want to work in Louisville, Kentucky. So, horses and bourbon. <laughs> That's kind of the sale on that. Um, it's a really cool place. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun. Our culture is awesome. We're about to move into this really awesome renovated building. And, uh, you know, so we're definitely looking to build out the team. Yeah, so you guys are, are really into object-oriented design, it sounds like, really improving in that way, and I think that sounds like a really good environment to uh, to further your growth as an engineer. Yeah, it's really cool. We've actually, uh, in the past couple of projects that we've done, we've really kind of hit home on the architecture development and object-oriented programming, almost to the point that we've kind of developed a system for it where, I guess, Typically, as a developer, maybe you kind of spend like 20% of the time planning and 80% of the time developing, and we kind of flip that around, and it's, it's actually really interesting how much faster everything goes once you actually start writing code. It's kind of about 80-20 now. Yeah, so when you're like doing something with TDD or even if you're just uh, you know taking your time and coding good modules um, and testing them out, when you actually go to make them work, call from the controller or something, and everything just works immediately and you haven't seen it yet because you weren't loading it in the browser. It was all on command line or whatever. Pretty amazing. It's really exciting for me to see these jobs like, you know, what's available at Edmund Datus, you know, where companies are really focused on, you know, they want to do top quality work and then on Laravel because one of my fears with Laravel when it first came out was like, will it be relegated to being just like something for beginners or will it be? And then you have the opposite problem is it's something just for the experts. And so it's awesome that you have people that are like kind of using it to hack together something on the weekend as a side project. And then you have companies like in Datus who are like, you know, building serious, well-designed Laravel business applications. So that's really cool for me to see um, kind of both ends of the spectrum being being fleshed out. On that note, we're also hiring at SeatGeek. Uh, you know, I'm just saying. Man, there's so many, there's so many jobs, Laravel jobs opening up. It's awesome. It's true. Um, I I know people here in the Netherlands, and they'll just contact you and say, "Hey, we're looking for uh, you know Laravel developers," and uh, we came across yeah. your name, and it's it's just. It's just crazy. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You you have to find a way to try to figure this stuff out to quantify this in some way, Taylor. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really a hard question to answer. Um, just to backtrack, not that I was implying that SeaGeek has a Laravel position open, but uh, just just to quantify like the usage of Laravel is really hard for me. Like I have no idea how many people use it. I have no idea who's using it, which companies are using it. Like it's very, and I get asked that a lot from, from people that are interested, particularly people from like well-established, you know, corporations and such. Um, can you give me projects that are running Laravel? And I can name a few, but I, I know I don't know, you know, you know, even 1% of people who are using Laravel. So it's tough. I do need cool a better system could, there. 
be cool if you could do some kind of Google trend or something like that on some of the job posting websites to like maybe somehow mm-hmm. get metrics on how many job postings are mentioning that they want someone with Laravel experience. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I'd look into that. That was something that first, was kind of uh, interesting for us when we were hiring people, uh, like trying to build out our initial teams. We had, um, you know, we were saying like we want Laravel people and. You know, nobody had that on their resume, and now, as time has gone on, it's more common to start seeing that. The first version of Six Pack was Laravel, so there's that. Nice. That, that's the A/B testing, uh, <laughs> the AB testing framework, right? Yeah, yeah, the AB testing framework that we wrote. Is your AB testing framework live and usable, Zach? What was the name of it again? Uh, of it again? Uh, it's Six Pack. And that's the JavaScript-based solution. Uh, so it's for, it's language and framework agnostic. We actually wrote the server and the dashboard in Python, um, and then there's clients for Go, Perl, PHP, JavaScript, Ruby. That's cool. Um, I'm actually kind of in the market for A/B testing <laughs> software at the moment. So, well, do I have the solution for you? <laughs> <laughs> You've met the right person. <laughs> I remember talking to you about this briefly <laughs> at Laracon uh, last year. Actually, yeah, I was I was just barely getting ready to launch at Laracon last year, and then it actually was about six more months before it was in a spot that we felt comfortable with releasing it. Yeah, um, but it's in a pretty good spot at this point, and you know we use it every day. Awesome. Okay, guys, yeah, definitely check out that um, that next version code base. It's it's still messy, and we're still migrating it from. Kind of like the old prototypical or not prototypical prototype stuff to uh, uh, like a more DDD style approach, but I think that um, that might answer any questions anybody has about some domain event type stuff. And uh, we're definitely looking for people to help us with that project. Right now, we have very few people working on that project, but um, we're all very into it. Uh, it's it's difficult for me to be handling pull requests for, for example, the current version of the site uh, while I'm working on the new version. So if anybody is, you know, maybe a known member of the community that I can give, you know, access to the repository and they can actually or, or even help just test the pull request that people submit and say, hey, this works thumbs up then that would be a huge help. So thank you all very much for, for coming on today. I really appreciate that. Sure thing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably, uh, I guess, see you around. Something like that. Happy nice to see you. We're all probably going to Laracon. Uh, are you going to Laracon, Brian? Yeah, we're. I'm going, and there's, uh, I think, four other guys from Indatus that are going. Excellent. And I know Zach's not going, but he's going to sit outside the door because he lives in New York City and cry until somebody scalps him a ticket. That's right. Yeah, I'll you know, I'll be around, <laughs> I would I would say. Outside the windows. Outside the window, if someone wants a high five or something. <laughs> or a, a good beer bar recommendation. I'm going to see Hedwig and the Angry Itch on Broadway that uh during my nice. trip there. With Neil Patrick Harris, I'm beyond excited. Yeah, it should be a good. That, that's supposed to be a good show. Well, I will uh, talk to you guys later. All Sounds right. good. See you. Bye bye. Thanks.